real quick before we get Ether Skolnick on the hotline, just want to acknowledge uh, yesterday was Larry Dolby Day um, throughout baseball. I, I, I'll just say this. I just wish we did more um, acknowledging uh, Larry Dolby. You know, baseball acknowledges Jackie Robinson. Anthony Alfred back here with you. Um, baseball does a great job acknowledging Jackie Robinson, but it feels like the effort comes short with Larry Doby. So, and, and I know Tito has some thoughts about, you know, they weren't able to wear um, his number um, yesterday. So, I just I just wish we did more um, in honoring uh, Larry Doby here and across baseball. So, just wanted to acknowledge that as we come on back. 216-474-0092. Anthony Alpha here with you. Let's go out live to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Ethan Skodek of Five Reasons Sports. He joins us. He is on Twitter. And Ethan, I the first thing I did when I went to your Twitter, I see you're on threads as well. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, because everybody needs another social media account. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, although I'm, I'm primarily on Five Reasons Sports Twitter. We'll see how this threads thing uh operates as we go forward you have any confidence in uh threads like i think we all started today is like uh, uh. i mean is there any difference i mean it looks to me like i, I don't know it, it sort of looks to me like you come home and you you got some shoes and some shoe boxes and you put the shoes away and your house looks exactly the same but you feel like you cleaned i, I don't know it's it, that's that's kind of like what the threads thing feels like to me. But if people are going to go over there, I'll go check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I have another place to plug the show. Exactly. <laughs> that's how this works. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, here we go. I mean, what's your fans here in Cleveland? We've heard all the talk, and, and we'll get to the – we talked in the first hour about heat culture and the difference between that and the Cavs culture. People have some thoughts on that. But just on the basketball X's and O's front, what should Cavs fans who are listening right now expect from Max Struess? Well, I mean, I'll start before the basketball front. Uh, he's a good dude. I mean, start there. I think you'll like him personally. I think everybody in the Heat organization did. And they liked his story. The media liked him. Uh, so there's no issues there. I mean, he, you know, he came up through this. Heat developmental program. They put the ball in his hands a lot two summer leagues ago. Um, he blossomed in that way, and he plugged right in, and he kind of moved ahead of his friend Duncan Robinson in the rotation, and they won a lot of games uh, with him as off the bench, and they won a lot of games with him as a starter. So, I mean, I you know I think that they would have liked to have keep Ma- keep, kept Max. I think we kind of recognized at the end of the season uh, that it was going to be difficult with their luxury tax situation and with some of their other priorities. And I think he realized it too. So his post uh, season presser, you know, he thanked the Heat, but I, I think we kind of got the sense that he he knew he was probably moving on. Um, you know, what kind of a player is he? Uh, he can be a very very good three point shooter in stretches. He's a little streakier than maybe you would like as a specialist. Um, he's not a runoff of sixty five screens type guy like a Duncan Robinson or a Ray Allen type or somebody like that or even a JJ Redick. Uh he's more of a spot up three point shooter. Um I, I will say that offensively the one thing that maybe gets overlooked is he's what the kids say you know, call sneaky athletic. I, he he does have some hops. Um you know he, he does have some physicality to him. Uh he's tough. He's not really afraid of the moment. 
Uh, and then with that being said, he had, you know, two awful finals games. But, I, you know, I, to me that was more the anomaly than anything else. I think he kind of hit the wall a little bit. He wasn't really supposed to be in that role. Tyler Hero was. And, I, you know, I think that that got to him a little when there were some confidence issues. But, uh, but typically he has pretty high confidence. You know, defensively, he tries. I, I, you know, he does have some physicality. He can guard up a little bit. Uh, lateral foot speed, that kind of stuff. It obviously, it's not elite. Uh, he was a better defender, I thought, than Duncan Robinson for most of his time here, but there would be games where he was kind of unplayable defensively. So it kind of depended on the night. Teams will hunt him a little bit. You have to have a good system. I think that you know what you guys have in place defensively will probably be good for him. Um, you know, having having Mobley, having Allen, um, you know, having some bigs who could protect him a little bit. Uh, but you know, I, the Heat liked him. I mean, this was not a situation where they were looking to get rid of him. It's just that once that price tag got, you know, over about $10 million a year, it's just, you know, they, like I said, they have other priorities right now. I think everybody knows what that priority is. And uh, waiting around for Max, uh, you know, I think they pretty much told him, go find your best deal. <laughs> and, 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 and Ethan, do you, I, I guess to capitalize on some of the points you made, let's go real quick. Do you think the Cavs overpaid for Max? I don't know what overpaying is these days. Uh, that's the thing. Like uh, when Desmond Bain's getting fifty million dollars a year, like uh, you know, is overpaying sixteen million dollars for a shooter. Uh, you know, Duncan Robinson, the Heat signed him to eighteen million dollars a year. Kind of immediately regretted the contract, but then the new CBA and some of the money that's come in, it doesn't look as awful anymore. Um, I, you know, I so I don't I don't know. I mean, it depends. It's the context of the rest of your roster, right? Like if if you're if you're willing to pay luxury tax and, and you have your stars locked up, and I know with Mitchell that's a bit of an issue maybe coming up in about a year, but we'll see, uh, you know, then it's fine. I mean, I think to have a $16 million player who's going to, you know, be kind of a swing starter maybe and, and going to probably give you 25, 30 minutes a night. And he's played in the finals, you know, once, and he played in the Eastern Conference finals another time. I don't think it's a terrible deal. It's not a bargain, but I don't think it's a terrible deal. I think, you know, bargain – you know, I think the Heat fans, uh, this is color a little bit. I, they all wish Max well. I don't think anybody had anything, you know, wrong to say about Max who left. But, you know, when the Heat were able to bring in Josh Richardson for $2.7 million and Josh shot 37% from three and is a better defender than Struess, then I think in the context of that, the deal is a lot. Uh, but, you know, that's there weren't a lot of two guards on the market, and that's what Cleveland wanted to pay. And other teams like Indiana were willing to pay it. So, I'm not gonna if he if he's a, if he's a top seven guy for for the Cavs then the money will be probably be worth it. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll just say here at Cleveland it would be very worth it <laughs> if he's one of those one of the top guys. Ethan Skodek of Five Reasons Sports he joins us live on the North Fulton Chrysler Cheap Dodge Ram Hotline. And again, we mentioned in the first hour we talked about the Heat culture and his experience coming in. Like should like how much will how much will his influence, Max Struess, his influence as far as going to the NBA Finals and having that mm-hmm. playoff experience translate to the team here in Cleveland? Well, I don't think Max, Max is not going to be one of these scream it guys uh, type people. He tends to, you know, he became a, he became a, a Jimmy Butler favorite pretty quickly because he's got a sense of humor and he can take a joke and give one back a little bit. Uh, he's a very likable personality. I, I don't think he's going to be the one to kind of lead 
the team, um, but I think that he'll lead with his work, if that makes sense. Uh, he, he does put in the time. The, the thing Spolcher always talked about was Max is the first guy there and the last guy out. So, I mean, if you're looking for that for a young team that we kind of saw, you know, fall on its face a little bit in the playoffs, um, I, I don't think it'll hurt. Um, you know, but as far as him being the leader of the team, I mean, most likely Donovan's still going to be your leader because he's your best player. And, you know, I, I think Max, you know, coming from, you know, look, when you're you're hardened by playing with Jimmy Butler, um, and Jimmy does not tolerate uh, guys who, who can't step up in the moment and who don't play to his level. It's just, it doesn't work and who don't care about winning. So he liked Max from the very beginning. He kind of identified Max as one of his sort of undrafted rookie types. And so I, you know, that's to me the best recommendation you could give him. And Spolcher loved him. So, I mean, I, you know, I mean, Eric, we've had, a, you know, obviously down here, we've witnessed, you know, 20, 30 undrafted guys who become NBA players through the system. He really liked Max. I mean, they made Max a priority. And I think they knew that if they did, that there was a chance that he was going to get taken away. I also think that if the Duncan Robinson contract had been moved last year, that Max probably is still here. Uh, but as of this moment, Duncan Robinson is still here. And, you know, that may change here with the Lillard trade and, and whether he gets included for salary filler and all the rest. Uh, but, again, I don't think that the Heat wanted him to leave, and I think he'll be a good influence up there. Ethan, let's uh, real quick, you guys with the the Miami Heat, somehow, way, you guys are at the center of the basketball universe right now with what's going on with Dame. Uh, what's the latest on that situation? Do you believe the reports that Dame only wants to be traded to the Miami Heat? Uh, yes. What do you think about everything that's going on with that? No, I mean, this has played out pretty much as we've telegraphed it on five on the floor. We're eight, the eighth of ten steps. Um, we had kind of outlined this at the beginning. Uh, first, Dame had to make it clear behind the scenes to some of his favorite reporters, one of which is Chris Haynes, who I, I know you guys know very well. I worked with Chris up in Cleveland. Uh, and and others, uh, you know, what his intentions were at Shams, the Showtime interview. And then, you know, it had to start to get a little more public and a little nastier, and that's what's happened now. And uh, he's he's not going to – I mean, he's not going to be happy if he goes somewhere else. And, you know, Boston could talk only when he doesn't want to go to Boston. He just doesn't. I mean, could another team like Brooklyn or, or Philly jump in? Sure. But he wants to be here, and he's wanted to be here, and I think this is the only place that he would jeopardize you know, what he's built in Portland. Um, I think that most Portland fans understand. I think that most national media understand. I think that he has cover. I know that going to Miami is not a popular thing. You guys certainly know that up in Cleveland back in 2010. <laughs> uh, but but I'm just, I just think that uh, this is all leading towards the conclusion, and I've been saying this now for the last week, that the sides will get together in Vegas, where everybody is, Portland. Uh, now I saw that Aaron Goodwin said that Dame wants them to get in a room, um, and they will. And I think Portland will realize there's no other deal for them out there, and the Heat will give them enough to let them face and let them move on with their youth movement and let Dame move on to chase a championship. That's how this should go. Dame's a perfect fit with Jimmy and Bam. Honestly, I would argue, and I covered the big three, that he's this is a better fitting big three than LeBron, Wade, and Bosch were at the beginning because LeBron and Wade kind of occupied the same spots on the floor. Uh, Bam, Jimmy, and Dame will fit immediately, and the other two guys will cover up Dame's defensive weaknesses, and I think the Heat will be the favorite to come out of the East again. But I And, and, and I, I think that ultimately there will be enough uh, left when Miami makes this trade uh, to supplement. So 
I don't think this is having to gut everybody. They're going to lose some assets. They're, they're going to lose Tyler. Uh, they'll have to probably trade Lowry's contract, which is in the last year. And, and may, they may lose Caleb Martin. They might lose Nikola Jovic, who they like a lot. But ultimately, this deal is going to get done, and, and Dame's going to be in Miami. He is Ethan Skodek. Follow him on Twitter, also on Threads. Don't forget that. Also on Threads. And <laughs> <laughs> part of Five Reasons Sports. Uh, you guys do a great job with the Miami Heat and everything. So I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. There he is, Ethan Skodek on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline with the very latest on what to expect from Max Struess here in Cleveland. Uh, he mentioned very good three-point shooter in stretches, in stretches. And also defensively, I know there's criticisms with that, but he will give it an effort on the defensive side of the ball. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, throughout the night. Up next, can the Cleveland Guardians rebound? And we have the tracker. The tracker returns for night two as we try to track efficient offense. 216-474-0092. A. Anthony Alpha here with you until midnight on Sports Radio 92.3 The Fan. All right, back here on Overtime. Double A, Anthony Alpha in for Jonathan Peterlin here on 92.3 The Fan. You just heard in the update with James Bridges about uh, with uh, Tito in the pregame about uh, Cal Quantrell. We was wondering yesterday, uh, wait a minute, what was going on? What exactly was happening? Uh, gave up what, the four runs in the first inning uh, yesterday. But here's what Tito had to say uh, this afternoon pregame on the latest on uh, Quantrell. We put him back on the I.L. The good part this time, we're not going to shut him down. We're going to let him play catch, and when he's ready, we'll start his side days again. When that is, dependent on how he feels. And we'll try to do a little better job this time of not getting him, try to get him back so quick. Yeah, so they're going to take their time uh, with him. And just another, this is tough. Is this another blow on the pitching staff? It was going on there, but what I saw yesterday, the two one six four seven four double o ninety two. What I saw yesterday, and pretty much what you have expected from this Guardians team. Hold up, there we go. What we expected from this Guardians team. I had to adjust the mic. I had to adjust the microphone. I sat down. <laughs> I had to adjust the microphone. I didn't know this. Yes, it makes noise when you adjust the microphone. <laughs> but I saw an unhealthy way to play baseball. Very unhealthy way to play baseball. For a few reasons. Number one, I mentioned the tracker. We have tonight, it's back for night two, the Josh Bell tracker. The Josh Bell tracker, our DH. Believe he's still batting six tonight. We have the tracker. Will he produce? Will he perform? Offensively, well, as the DH, it's your only job, <laughs> right? It's literally your only job is to go out there and produce at the plate and drive in runs. I'm watching this team, and I get it. The strength of this Guardians team is the pitching staff. It has been the pitching staff for years under Terry Francona and Chris Antonetti. 
That's been the strength. But here lays the problem. The, the, the problem you run into is exactly what we saw last night. No, disregard the opponent. The opponent, I know it's the Atlanta Braves, but the opponent in this case is irrelevant. It's the offensive output or the lack thereof of offensive output. You have a situation where no matter if you're facing the Atlanta Braves, you have Kansas City tonight, so it's obviously we're at two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to opponent quality here, like very, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the Kansas City Royals have the worst record in baseball, if I'm not mistaken. If it's not the worst, it's one of the worst in baseball. So we're at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But offensively, other than Jose Ramirez, other than Josh Naylor, who is making his return to the lineup tonight, where exactly are you going to get that pop where in the lineup are you going to have someone who you can look at and say that guy can deliver a home run for me that guy can do it who is able to pull that off who's going to be able to do that I don't know if on on this lineup if they have that anywhere besides Josh Naylor Jose Ramirez there are guys in this lineup that I like. I like Stephen Kwan. I think Stephen Kwan, if he could put it together, especially you know, right now, going into the All-Star break, heading into the second half of the season, if he's able to put it together and get things going, I think Kwan's one of the guys who could do it. And there's a few others. But essentially, this entire lineup, other than the two guys that I mentioned a little bit ago, and Ramirez and Naylor, you have a bunch of maybe guys. Maybe they'll be able to get a hit today. Maybe they'll get an occasional home run. Home run. Maybe they'll be able to drive home something, anything. Maybe they'll be able to get a a fielder's choice. Maybe they'll be able to get a bunt in there. There's too many of those guys in this lineup way too many of those guys in this lineup. I will take, we're going to get to Miles Straw in a second here. Hmm. We'll get to him in a second. But in terms of this lineup, you have, you're putting a unhealthy strain in the pitching rotation with the starters and the bullpen. It's very unhealthy. It's not that they're not capable. Like, I think Bybee today, he's. I think he's going to do pretty well. And he has done well. And our starting rotation, not including last night, has done pretty well. And our bullpen, uh, reliable. But, like, there's, let, let's not, let's not kid ourselves now. Plus A, a little bit of trouble now. It's not due to lack of ability. No one man can handle constant pressure like this on a night-in and night-out basis. And not even including, oh, Bybee, how long can he go tonight? 
How long can he go? As far as an innings count, pitching count, things of that sort, how long can he go? You're putting an unhealthy strain in a pitching unit that doesn't need this. If this unit has to go an inning or two longer, that's fine if they have confidence in their offense getting the necessary run support. I just don't see where that run support other than Ramirez and Naylor, uh, Josh Naylor, where that's going to come from on a night-in and night-out basis. Now, here's the other thing. In sports, in two-way sports, in the pro level, baseball, basketball, I heavily value offensive abilities over defensive abilities. I heavily value that. I was at the Guardians-Milwaukee Brewers game a couple week, couple weekends ago. And Terry Francona started David Fry at right field. Started Fry at right field. And if you remember, there was a particular play out to right field and to, to right center. And David Fry, it was, Jackson was not pretty. I would have caught the ball, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it wasn't pretty. Let, let's just cut right to the chase. It was not pretty. But then what happened in that exact same baseball game? David Fry came through. He was one of the guys that was able to drive, drive in a run and get the spark going and led the Guardians to a W. David Fry, early July 4th, a couple nights ago, David Fry was able to, he got his first walk off. It's incredible. So when I watched Miles Straw swing at the dirt, when I watched Miles Straw, like literally, I know this is radio, but you'll get the point. His at-bats are basically, that's his at-bats. Just swinging. Ball's high. What are you doing? What are you doing? Ball's here. Strike zone's here. Ball's up. What are you doing? Ball's just at the dirt. Just swinging away. Just swinging. Like at a strip club or something. Just swinging away. What are you doing? Like, just stop. You got... There's no plate discipline. Now, again, I understand with Miles Straw, at center field, he is great, right? But none of that matters if you don't have run support. None of that matters if you're down six, seven runs. None of that matters if you are not on the plus side of the scoreboard. So I want to see tonight, Can this Guardians offense get on the plus side of the scoreboard early on? Don't wait until the second go-around. The second at-bat. Let's see what you do at the first at-bat. I want to see how you're able to produce at the first at-bat. And go from there. So, Miles Straw, struggling, right? 
uh, I don't know if we have anybody in the organization who can uh, come up and help out offensively. Oh, wait a minute. We do. Oscar Gonzalez. <laughs> Putting in work down in Columbus. Putting in work in Columbus. Yeah, he strikes out. But the guy is able to drive in runs. And that was a specialty last year, able to drive in runs. In fact, if you base it on certain playoff games, he might have been the only one who could drive in a run. And yet he is sitting in Columbus while we're putting out Miles Straw. We're attempting to make Josh Bell work. We attempted earlier in the season to make Mike Zanino work. And that was a failure in both ways, both offensively and from the catching position. (laughs) And they did what they could, and it just did not happen. So who's going to be that guy to emerge? And I said earlier in the week, look, I understand that the Cincinnati Reds, I get it from a pitching standpoint. You don't want to, like the bullpen is very suspect or was suspect. But the pitching side of things in Cincinnati has caught up. And they're out kicking their coverage because offensively they have the necessary run support to just play baseball, to just operate, just to go. So it's just one of those things where the Guardians, they can be conservative and safe and try to ride this thing out and see what happens. But we know what's coming up with Shane Bieber. We know what's coming up maybe with Rosario. And there has to be immediate offensive production coming back into the fold, into this lineup. Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor, they are too good not to have a third guy to complement their their efforts in the lineup. 216-474-0092. 216-474-0092. Up next, first off, fan focus coming up at 9 o'clock. Up next, I'll say this about the game of baseball. It's fun. Again, I think these new rules, uh, I, I like what I'm seeing. Do you like what you're seeing across the game of baseball? And also coming up, the worst position in sports, in pro sports. Think about it. Think about it. We talk about the pitching position, maybe the running back position. What is the worst in sports? Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Double A Anthony Alford here with you until midnight. This is overtime on Sports Radio ninety two three The Fan. Coming up in about twenty minutes from now, Fan Focus with a with a. Heated discussion about Shea Bieber, his future, the new Threads app, and Savannah Bananas, and the birds and bees. The bees and the birds. All coming up in fan focus 20 minutes 
from now. 216-474-0092. Double A. Anthony Alpha here with you until midnight. Keep a track of the Guardians. Got it all coming up here for you. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I don't, I don't know if it rained at all outside. Not sure, but 80-minute uh, delay. It was lightning in the area. So, got to love it here at Cleveland. I saw it all over social media. Uh, all over social media. Uh, Twitter reactions brought to you by Shiba Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Everyone on Twitter complaining about the lack of rain in the delay. And it's like, well, it's not like the city of Cleveland doesn't have history <laughs> with, with rain delays. Like, what, what can you do? I have to mention this. I have to say this. Uh, and we have a bunch of different things we got coming up. Throughout the show, would you watch a you got the live tour and they've merged together with the PGA tour? Would you watch a Saudi backed American football league? If they took, let's say, the second and fourth most popular NFL stars, would you watch that league? We'll talk about that. And a little bit more of that coming up a little bit later on in the show. I saw this report here. The attendance numbers at baseball games. Out of the 30 teams, 24 teams, including the Guardians, have had increased attendance this year. Now the, the the big thing has been about has been the ballpark pass here in Cleveland. The ballpark pass has helped out pretty well. But I'll say this. That commissioner, that commissioner, he makes 99 mistakes. But the one area where he did not make a mistake was the pitch clock. And you're seeing very entertaining baseball and you're seeing action right now. Bad action from the Guardian side of things, but that was foul. But uh, you're seeing action. You're seeing action, and things are moving. And the other thing he did not do, I, I, we, we make a big deal about the pitch clock, and it's helping. I cannot tell you how much it has helped. Major League Baseball deciding to balance out their schedule. Their decision. I, I, I was just thinking about this when I went to the Guardians-Milwaukee Brewers game a couple weeks ago. In the past, that would have been another series against the White Sox. Another series against the Detroit Tigers. Could have been another series against Kansas City. And we've seen that before, whereas division-wise, you're like, oh, we have them again for the third third week out of the last four weeks. We have the same divisional opponent. But you miss out on some of these other teams around baseball. And look, I get it. For years, baseball has been resistant to change. It's been resistant to change in terms of, well, I don't like interleague, Right? For the longest time, interleague has ruined the game of baseball. And then they watered down interleague. It's really ruined the game of baseball. And then 
in the National League, you got rid of the pitchers, and 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 now the DH. You have the DH in both leagues. Well, what are we doing? This is destroying the game of baseball. It's destroying it. Baseball adapted. Baseball adapted to newer fans, and baseball has adapted to your significant other, has adapted to your friend, has adapted to those who used to just put the game on TV and call it a day, but not thoroughly pay attention to the game, but it's like, oh, we have to have it on. Now you have to pay attention to what's going on with the game. If you don't, then it really becomes a problem. It really becomes an issue, and you miss out. But, man, the action has been incredible. And what's been happening, storylines all across all across baseball. And hopefully the networks will catch on to what's going on. You know, I mentioned the Cincinnati Reds. They have won 20 of the last 24 games. 20 of the last 24. Beautiful ballpark. They have a rookie. And Cruz, that is just amazing. And he is able to go. They also have a a guy by the name of Will Benson. Um well, he used to he used to play here. He used to be in the Guardians organization. And now he's um putting in work hitting in Cincinnati. But I'll leave that alone. I will leave that alone. Got of course, of course, the race in the National League, National League Central. That's been fun. You got Milwaukee in there. They got a series coming up this weekend. And then, look, the American League East, and this will be a story in the second half of the season. With the struggles of the American League Central, you will have some fan at an American League East team that's going to be like. What about us? Wait a minute. The AL Central winner might finish under 500. And they're going to make the playoffs. And we're going to have to send home an American American League East team that wins 90, 95 games. Oh, well. (laughs) I don't know what to tell y'all. Look, we're Browns fans here, too. We're in the AFC North. We're in that division every year is something, right? The year the Browns go to the playoffs in 2020. Browns have 10 wins. Life is good. We're in third place in the AFC North. Third place. We couldn't be like the Seattle Seahawks from years ago that just had Marshawn Lynch. This was pre-Russell Wilson. And they just went and they they hosted the playoff game and they took down the defending New Orleans Saints, took down the defending champs, and they handled business. I can't be like that. But that could be for the Guardians. Could be for the Guardians. You just got to get in. Just get in. Just make the playoffs. In that wild card series, anything can happen. Anything could go down. In that wild card series, you give yourself an opportunity and you'll be good to go. So that's something you really got to really, really 
zero in on. And you'll be straight. All right. We're going to hit this topic coming up after Fan Focus. We've got Fan Focus coming up next. I, I had this question. You know, we were, we was talking about the running back market in the NFL. And how come, I mean, you could pull up all the NFL free agents. <laughs> and you look up at the NFL free agents. If you said I had to coach this team. Dalvin Cook's on this list. Kareem Hunt's on this list. Clowney's on this list defensively. You have a few quarterbacks that's on this list. And you say to yourself, oh, you're assigned to coach this team. You're assigned to coach this team. In a weird, odd way, That the roster of free agents could get you to the playoffs, perhaps. But it came, it dawned on me. Exactly, it's the worst position in sports. And one of the candidates is the running back position. And I'm going to lay out the the parameters of this discussion coming up after Fan Focus. One of the parameters is celebrity. Growth of celebrity. In the NFL, we look at the quarterback. We look at the, the receivers. You look at defensive backs. You look at the linebackers. Defensive end. In terms of Miles Garrett, you look at him. You look at all those guys. There's a Nick Chubb question in there. And an unfortunate conversation about Nick Chubb that's in there. Because once his contract's up, is it really a smart business decision to extend his deal? I mean, as far as us being sentimental, yes, that's something we want to do because he represents Cleveland. But is it necessarily a smart business thing to do? Is it a smart business decision to do anything with the tailback position? So coming up next, we got fan focus. And then after fan focus, I want to dive into worst positions in pro sports. I'll lay out the parameters for it, and I'll lay out a few positions that I believe are like Whoa, why would you do this position in 2023? 216 474 I'm on Twitter at AnthonyAlfred92. I'm on threads at Anthony underscore R underscore Alfred. Double A, Anthony Alfred here with you until midnight. This is overtime on 92.3 The Fan.